Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. everybody welcome to the e3 special edition of the cu podcast for thursday june 15th 2017 that's ian ferguson that's me this is pat country and we're good enough pat and ian are good enough to cover e3 you know e3 we we've done an e3 special almost every year we've done the podcast right we, almost. We almost felt like we, we were either, obligated to. Either it was, either it fell on that week or we did one. I don't think we did one last year. You don't think we did one last year? I don't think so. Just because it was just crazy or something else was going on or we just said fuck it. Or, or Yeah. Did anything happen in E3 last year? I don't remember. It feels like this E3 has been a lot more momentous. I don't know. I don't feel like but, anything happened this E3. <laughs> but in general though, E3 is taking a nosedive in terms of importance. We always speak about it each year. I don't I've stopped I went for 3 years in a row from 2000 and uh what 11, 12, 13 I went and that was it. That's all that was good enough for me. Good enough. But anyway, we got a lot lined up in the besides that. What are we talking about? I'm wearing a Goonie shirt if you're not singing on the podcast. That's why I'm singing that. We're we talking about Wolfenstein 2 uh xbox one x one xbox x uh nintendo e3 stuff super mario odyssey um we have a a call-in q a segment and uh something else special ian what's been happening um i so ever since i got friday the 13th the game um, i got the game i just haven't played yet well, i don't i don't have it on the pc yet um I we've been Vonnie and I have been going back and watching all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Uh, so we finished. We watched five and six last night. Five is awful. No, see, here's the argument In I'm going to make. Okay, you like the fact that it's different. Five is actually. I re- everyone says five is bad, and I and I I haven't seen these movies in a long movies in it's, a long time. It's the Halloween three of the franchise. <laughs> I haven't seen these movies since probably my early twenties. So let's say. 15 years ago, roughly. Okay. Okay. Uh, my first apartment's like 19, 20, 21. And these movies used to, like, scare the shit out of me. I just... Absolutely. I, I can't ha- handle gore. They sc- scared the shit out of me. Shocktober, WPIX. Whatever. with me. When they'd put, put them on, you know, in marathons, my yeah. friends would always want to watch them. And I would spend most of the time curling into the couch, not watching these. So I've seen these movies, but basically I've seen the beginnings and the ends of most of these movies and spent most of the time, you know, squirming into the corner. So nowadays I can watch these things and they, they, they just don't, they don't phase me. So I'm kind of coming to grips with all these. I know the first movie front to back and I've always enjoyed it. Um, 
I like the third one more than I remember. I like the third one third a lot. Third one is 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 not the sleeper of the series, but that's a pretty damn good. I really like the third is. one. Yeah. Second one, eh. I mean, whatever. It's okay. I like the look of the second one. Sure. It looked very creepy. Like the, the like the first two are like you know the sister movies of each other. Yeah. Right? Um, like three and four are kind of four, which I always remembered as being good. Four is awesome. I, no, it sucks. No, you know it's good. No, the end is fine, but it, it, they never exp- they never explain what happens to the mom. The mom just disappears. She and dies. She's gone. Yeah, she, she's no, dead, she's dead. But she's just she just wanders off and she's gone. They don't show how it happens, but they show the you know like well she's dead. You know, and and that the the story drives me nuts in that one. And that used to be my favorite, but after watching, it, I felt like it was kind of well, what the fucky. Well, four is directly comes after three. It's supposed to be the. It was originally going to be the end of the series. Yeah, I know that. And they got yeah. Tom Savini back, and the special effects are good. And Crispin the, the Glover, show, Crispin Glover, you got some nice nudity in there. Uh, some of the best of, nudity uh, of the series. Some, lot, lots of great nudity. But yeah. I, there was just something about the story, and I was like, it doesn't. It didn't hold up for me, or maybe I just overhyped it as we See, were getting I up like, to four. I like the fact that it 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 referenced itself being that the one character is trying to get revenge for his sister being killed. You sure. had you had the Corey Feldman character. Uh, being introduced, um, what the hell is his name? The, the guy, uh, t- uh, t- Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis character. So there was more going on than the other movies in and of itself. And plus, it, like I said, it was supposed to be the last one. And remember, in four, he's still a human being. He's still a regular right. guy that can be killed. I don't know how they put him in the morgue without knowing he wasn't dead. That aside, but the gore effects are fantastic yeah, in four. Like they are. some of the stuff they do is is insane. If you're into that, um, but no, I thought five was a pretty interesting. For what it was. A pretty interesting movie. Five was... The middle point of the series. Almost yeah. literally and figuratively, and it kind of bookends two different it was, types of movies. It, it, it only becomes awful in the shadow of six. Okay. Because six is... And, and six is the one I remember the most. Six I is think. where the series really got super popular. That's where you have zombie uh, Jason come alive. It's a it's, super poppy movie yes. too. It, it's very jokey. A lot of the that's, deaths are even. That's when the, that's when the series became quote unquote mainstream popular. Yes. That's when you see uh, Jason appear on Arsenio Hall, for example. Like when that and Freddy Krueger both in the late eighties were getting right. big at the same time. People first talking about crossover was with, with part six. Part six, seven, eight were the three. Like wow, this is Jason in his zenith, so to speak. And I, 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 and it was just weird for me comparing them because it's like either one of these could have been, either sure. five or six could have been a diverging point, and five would have probably taken it down a, a more horror path, like or, that, like that Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, where like it gets transferred between different people. Yeah, no one ever talks about that one. Because right, it's like weird and. And then, and then six takes it more into the mainstream. So yeah. it was just an interesting. It six. was an interesting double of movies to watch sure. last night. You can see the progression and change there. See, that's the thing. I prefer four to six. I I don't like zombie Jason. Is not as interesting to me a story as just the you know the, the human being that's that's you know IQ of fifty going around killing people because his mom got. That to me is an interesting, more interesting story before it becomes a zombie. At least to me personally. No, and that's the thing. I I love the idea of four, and I love the idea of parts one, two, three, and four as a whole. I guess just when I had sat back down to watch four again. I'd maybe overhyped it, or I had things that I had overlooked annoyed me. Anyways, okay, that's let's move on. Basically, its own segment. So well, yeah, let's go. Well, we're gonna do an intro <laughs> segment now. Upload it because, well, real quick, um, we have uh, two other things to talk about. Uh, first, we're gonna talk about uh, we, we're get, Ian. Unfortunately, in his absence, we we had a lot of stuff build up and sort of uh, uh, like letters from people. And thank you so much for those and gifts. And we've unwrapped some of the podcast quick. We have a few here that we try to catch up on. Uh, Ian's got a postcard, and uh, I have. 
uh, a, a letter here as well. Uh, first, we'll show this we got from Fox. Fox, who's overseas, uh, he's usually he's usually around uh, Japan. Um, uh, looks like uh, Pat just got back from to Seoul from Iwakuni. I don't know where that is. I know Seoul's in Korea. Iwakuni. I don't know where that is. Uh, I picked up some neat stuff for you. Um, so he got us a bunch of stuff, uh, and this is like great stuff. This is fantastic. This is the uh, Samurai Taisho Darth Vader, and there's the Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, these aren't cheap. These are really cool to find. These for us. Um, This is this is. At first, I'm like, oh, I didn't know this existed, but no, it's licensed. The Mm -hmm. movie realization, and you know, thank you so much, Fox, for this stuff. And he communicates with us. He's going out his way to try to find goodies for us in Asia. And then Ian, you have a postcard there. Uh, from Jennifer McMyler, just saying, I have always loved your podcasts and the great reviews. Keep up with the awesome job, and I hope Ian feels better soon. Thanks, Jennifer. And it's on a Pikmin, uh, Pikmin yeah, art. It's a little Pikmin card, and it's really cute. And then finally, this one I felt the worst about because at first I didn't see it in my P.O. box. It's from William. Uh, he's from Ohio, about 45 minutes from Pittsburgh. Just want to say hello. I listen to the podcast every day. Also, love Lee Mark Manis and Pat the NES Punk videos. Uh, I included the Game Boy game. I doubt it's anything special, uh, but I sold off most of my retro games because they were just collecting dust. So this letter was ripped open when I got it, unfortunately. Mm. Um, it, so the Game Boy game, I, I have to see if I found it or if it fell with something else, but I don't remember seeing it. Um, but the return address was, rip, was was ripped off entirely, so I don't know where it came from. But he wanted us to sign. The picture was in there, a little picture of us from happier times in the podcast. <laughs> Ian a little younger, hair a little bit uh, shorter. <laughs> Pat laughing. So we did sign this for you, uh, William. And he said uh, he wanted to put this next to his Mel Gibson and Cindy Lauper autographs. That's a motley crew of autographs right there. <laughs> I respect and, and like both of those Cindy Lauper. They're both fantastic. great artists. Yeah. Goonies are good enough. But anyway, so um, if you want to email me, William, and so I know who you are, tell me tell me your address so I can match it to the, the town here so I'll know exactly what town you're from. So then we'll match it with your street address so I can mail this back to you at some point. Uh, and there you go. Uh, one other thing real quick uh, that was alerted yesterday, the passing of Keith Robinson. Yeah, that's uh, from, a bummer. From Intellivision. Uh, Keith uh, was a programmer in Intellivision, then basically took over the, the namesake and the, and the properties afterwards, helped, helped keep Intellivision alive I've, in the public eye. Did good things with it, made sure that um, you know the people could experience uh, Intellivision. Um, the games, um, he put out great collections uh, on the PS2. Intellivision Lives. Uh, the Intellivision it was also Lives. on Xbox and also Xbox, GameCube. PS2. I don't believe it ever had a GameCube version, but he really loved that uh, he wanted the developers to get all the credit. He made sure developers got credits for each of the games that were on there, and there was little developer stories for each of the games that were on there, too. So he wanted to make sure everyone involved in Intellivision got their due. He very much loved that that part of his life in that company. Well, what's important also is that that was one of the earliest parts of game preservation we saw, you know, in the 90s when you had, like, in television lives and the Atari uh, version of those. I remember first seeing stuff stuff like that, like, in, on the computer, like, in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And then they come to console. It's very important to get that going again, you know, sort of the, the, the first mainstream, quote-unquote, retro gaming, you know, that you could purchase as a consumer. This is before all the flashbacks, even, so... Uh, and Keith was great to appear in the video game years. Um, I did not do that interview. John did that interview. Uh, and that was at, I think, Classic uh, Game Expo 2012. I did meet the man, though. I had a chance to meet him at some conventions. Very nice guy. Talk talk everyone's ear off. 
I remember a game on Expo a couple years ago. I'm waiting to go on afterwards, and he's like going into like basically when my time starts. I'm like looking like I'm like Keith, Keith, Keith. He just he just he loves telling the stories uh, back in the day. So uh, so here's here's to uh, raise your glass to Keith Robinson. Uh, did did a lot for the retro gaming community and just all around good fellow. So Ian, mm. E3. Yeah, we'll start with the Xbox One X. Which was Project Scorpio, which is not the Xbox One S, which is not the Xbox One. So the the One S was the upgrade to the One, which basically gave it HDR, not 4K total compatibility, but HDR and 4K streaming, and 4K movie watching, movie watching, but not game watching. So the One X gets you to the point where it's 4K gaming. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so the Xbox One X is the most powerful gaming console ever in the world. For right now, until two months later where Sony announces something. Something. Um, yeah, I mean, not... Let's talk about that real quick. Should that matter in this day and age anymore? Because technically, when most of consoles come out the past 30 years, at the time, they were the most powerful console ever. No. At one point, in television, was the most powerful console ever. Let's, yeah, initially, I, I, first off, I, I find the whole marketing aspect of this thing to be very oddly '90s. With okay. with the um, with the you you have just witnessed the most powerful video game console ever. Like you know shit that they had all around E3, mm-hmm. and also um, I I can't remember which video it is. I think it's the one that's during the um, I think it was the one during the conference. But it like literally shows like a woman holding a controller. And, like, it pans up from underneath the controller, and, like, a light comes on or something, and, and it shows her hair blow back. Really? So we're talking, like, really 90s audio, yeah. almost like, like what? commercials. What the shit? Like, and, and that's what the basic pitch for the Xbox One X, which is a very dumb, confusing name, um, revolves around. And and I think that's what made Microsoft's press conference in general so lackluster to me is that they focused on this more powerful console again after last year with another the one S with the One S and still not a whole lot of exclusive games a few but it's well there's less and less with with everything going to Windows 10 in the future anyway right so and. A lot of things are having timed exclusive windows, and it, it it just I don't know what Microsoft's trying trying at here by releasing a more more powerful console to play the same games, the same games or or less games or the it it, it doesn't. Well, they're not going to throw out the people that only have an Xbox uh, no, One. No, right. I, so, obviously. So I just, like, I, like we said before, this we are we, the, the generations are gone. We said that for a year or two. Yeah. This is it. They're, they're gone now when you have three consoles in four years. 2013, uh, 2016 with the 1S, and now what is coming out later this year? Yeah. November. For $500. So, for $500. And it adds, basically, okay, so you look at a comparative chart of features between Xbox One X and Xbox One S. Clever, guys. That's not going to be annoying. And, <laughs> and and here are... Oh, and I'll tell you, I have a little bit of, of, of shop humor annoyance that's going to drive me 
fucking crazy here. Can we talk about teraflops, Ian? No. That's important. Um, teraflops. So, features. Immersive true 4K gaming on Xbox One X, but not on Xbox One S. Super sampling means even new 4K games will look great on a 1080p screen. 40% more power than any other console with the Scorpio engine. 4K textures and assets with 12 gigabytes of GDDR5 memory. Record clips in 4K resolution at 60 frames per second. Everything else under that line, which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, it's like 15 other bullet points, are the same between the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X. Except for $200 more. Uh, $250 more. Is it 250 you can get an S now for? Yeah, S is okay. 249 So really, it's it's 4K gaming is what it's offering you. You get teraflops. And you do get some enhanced... Uh, perf- yeah. And you... It- it will max out um, the performance on certain games. So okay, let's back up a second. They're trying. To, they're going to try to sell upscaling in reverse. So if I have a 1080p TV, they're telling me the game's going to look better uh, graphically on running on this somehow. There's going to be a better resolution. That's what. That's what you just quoted me. Yes, super sampling. That makes no fucking sense. The resolution cannot be greater than the screen it's outputted on, mm, well. unless they're going to do some magic tricks in the renderer with the extra horsepower. That's different than saying your game's going to be a better resolution on a worse a worse output screen. That's just marketing bullshit. We're all about 4K, as you know, Microsoft's more said. <laughs> Mail me a 4K TV then. Uh, so yeah, can... the kickoff of my demo. He pointed out that the Xbox. This is a uh, this is Kotaku, I guess. He pulled up a still shot of the 8 million pixels that can fit into a 4K image compared to the 2 million pixels you can see on an HD TV running a game in 1080p. Yep, it was definitely four times as many pixels. Xbox One X. <laughs> Xbox One X will do super sampling for people who connect the machine to a non-4K TV, which they say will crunch those 8 million pixels into something that will still look better than 1080p. Okay, like I said, maybe it'll be a higher ultra render at 1080p, but it's still going to be fucking 1080p. So, I... And go... Everyone, go online and look at those scales they have of viewing distance versus TV size and resolution, and you'll see at what point having 4K actually matters at both screen size and distance. And for, I'm going to just say, 90% of people, it's not going to fucking matter. If your TV's 20 feet away, it's not going to fucking matter. I feel like Microsoft is fleecing its fan base here. You think? Yeah. You think? Yes. They have... They have. You think? They, they don't have anything to go on... They don't have a strong set of of exclusive titles to go on. They've seeded that, saying that in the future you can just basically buy the Xbox One game and play it on your computer. So, so, so they're just releasing these these upgrades and and hoping people buy them. I mean, the Xbox One S was what three hundred or four hundred at launch. Now the Xbox One X, like a, a, what a year and a half later, is it two years later? Is is five hundred? One S was August of last year, so we're talking a year and a half between One S and One X. It's crazy. Um, it's insane. If I bought a One S, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" You know, like I could have just waited. If I had the X, and then first of all, yeah, if anyone had both the, the Xbox One regular and then the S and then the X, I don't know who's spending fifteen hundred dollars to get all three when they first launch. You know, that's insane. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. And, and this this article says it, but it, it's it's an opinion that I kind of came to. All I think the Xbox One X did teraflops at at a five hundred dollar price point is make the Xbox One S more attractive. I, I can see that. If if you want 
an Xbox console right now, and you're looking at this, especially if you don't have a four 4K TV. You know, there's no reason to get a regular Xbox One anymore. There's no point. There's right? no point. And like, do you even buy those brand new anymore? No, probably. I, I don't okay. think you can. So, I mean, why spend five hundred? We well, spend two fifty. Fifty. They they, the price. they claim they weren't making money at, at a five hundred dollar price point. Microsoft. No, they probably. I mean, maybe they're not. Not at the start. Maybe in scale down the line they will be. So, what is the real strategy? They just want to say we're we're. I mean, because they still haven't caught up to the, to the PS4 in terms of sales, right? No. So. This is just saying we have the most powerful console ever. This is the hardcore gaming console. Games, who the fuck cares? We have no games that you can't get elsewhere, right? I guess. And that's where we're at? Sure. Teraflops? I, teraflops. I, but lest anyone think... I mean, what, what are we going to next? Oh, well... Backwards compatibility, Ian, with OG Xbox games. That's actually kind of cool, but... Um, but it's not... But it's not Every Xbox game. It's like the 360 deal it, where yeah. certain titles will come out, but they've already said that it's going to be less titles than 360. So they're going to pick and choose which ones because of licensing deals, for example. So it's not an emulator, really, at the end of the day, then. That, like, they're not going to allow you to get any regular Xbox disc and throw it in and play it. They're going to handle it the same way that they're handling the 360 now. Uh, the 360 backwards compatibility, as far as I can tell. Um, backwards compatibility... It depends on how you look at it. Uh, I'm not going to be a huge poo-pooer on this. It's a great... It's um, a bonus. It's a great bonus for, for certain people. Um, depending on how you want to look at it, for me... Uh, and I, I said this. It's the reason why I got rid of my 80-gigabyte PS3. Um, so this is not me just shitting on Microsoft. If... If backwards compatibility is not very close to 99 or 100%, and I have to pull out an old console to play some weird shit that I want to play, meaning if it's not, if I have a library, let's say I have 10 games, and it's going to play seven of those 10 games, but I want to play all of those 10 games, and I'm going to have to pull out an old console to play those sure. other three games, then the backwards compatibility is useless to me because well, I might as well just leave the old console out. Well, this this isn't true backwards compatibility. This isn't like throwing right. a GameCube game into a Wii where every GameCube game is going to play. <laughs> exactly. This is, we have the license to put some of these on. We're probably giving some you know, some cutting some check to the developers from back then to allow this to exist for some reason, because it probably cuts into sales, you know, digital sales somewhere. I don't know, but yeah, the, the Xbox 360 only got up to 385 for backwards compatibility on Xbox one. That's not close to half the library, right? So this is going to be less. How many Xbox games were there over a thousand Xbox OG? What's the regular now? How do I, now what's the original Xbox when I put it, when I search no, for it, what see, do I do now? This is what I was. What gonna, do I do? This is what I was. Fuck gonna, you, Microsoft! How do I search for this now? We always have to abbreviate things. <laughs> I was just going to say. I mean, luckily we don't have to differentiate between Expo. But I was like, if this was a new system, how would I abbreviate this? X Xbox. How do I yeah, search I for it? Xbox console. Listen, Xbox. There was. Oh, Pat was actually. Wow, I have Xbox now. There was a thousand forty-five titles on on OG Xbox. Yeah. So, if this is going to be less than 385, it's not, like I said, then this is not really an emulator. Then This is something else. This is just basically allowing some games to be played, you know, to, to basically be emulated on it, but it's not emulating. It's not open to every game. So then, if you have all those green-shelled games, the ones you can pick up for 50 cents each of the swap meet, don't buy them to think you can play them on an Xbox One. It's not true backwards compatibility. I, I'm, what was the last system that had true backwards compatibility? 
How do you the Wii? Wii U? Oh, Wii U. I don't know how how if it how accurate it was, but yes, I think the Wii U. Sure. Even though I was playing it like on a Wii emulator front end, like yeah, I booted up into like a Wii OS. So yeah, you're right about that. That's probably probably closest. Probably closest. I, I yeah. Someone probably say that in the orders they'll pick out the two games that didn't work on it, but yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, or or the PS360 gig, but uh, not the 80 gig. But that wasn't 100 percent though. It was it was good. 60 gig was about 99. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll we'll take that. We'll take that, Ian. But I guess Nintendo was the last one to really to really do that. You know what, Ian? Hmm. Across the aisle, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, we can agree on one thing: killing Nazis. Killing Nazis is a grand old time. It is an it's American grand, pastime. It's an American tradition. Our forefathers all did it, <laughs> and and soon Frank's dad did it, literally <clears throat> in Europe. Yep. Well, not all Germans were Nazis, but yeah. Um, so Wolfenstein Two, the new Colossus trailer hits. Looks good, and boy, does it look grand! <laughs> it looks fucking great. So, uh, with shows like The Man in the High Castle, which is uh. I think it's on Netflix. I, just, I hear it's great. It's it's an alternate timeline future where the Germans win World War II. They right. take over the U.S. So this follows... Wolfenstein 2 follows that sort of time frame where this takes place in... What is it? 61. And B.J. Blaksevitz is uh, wakes up from a coma and he's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. The Nazis have taken over the U.S. And it's very interesting just because... Um, it's it's kind of a bold direction to go and, and to do this, and not just you know do another reboot and set it during World War II. But you fast forward it, you do it on U.S. streets, U.S. soil. That's an interesting take. You have some robots uh, that show up. It looks like in sort of high, like like the technology has advanced somewhat yeah. since World War II. So you, you get that sort of feel from uh, what's the feel that does game? Uh, is it like Fallout? Does that sort of feel a, a little bit of? of Fallout, but but it's not post-apocalyptic. It's it's sure. dystopian. It's it's, yes. it's war torn. But there are still people who who go about you know living their their daily lives. The trailer shows you know there's diners up and running, and sure. you know a guy you know the a Nazi officer the Nazi walks in, in, in and, milkshake. and a guy can make him a milkshake. So obviously there's still supply lines and things like that. What was great was, did you see the, the, the full trailer with the TV shows at the beginning? Yes, I did. Yeah, How yeah. great was that? Like the, the Lassie kind of show. The, with yeah, the Lysel, and then there was the uh, Speak German or Else or whatever. No, just German or Else. The, yeah, the, the, German the, or the else. hottest, the most popular U.S. You know, game show. <laughs> just great. And there was like a Leave it to Beaver parody. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a robot Nazi dog that helps out and breathes fire. You know, first you're watching this. I can imagine being at the event and being like, well, what the hell am I watching mm-hmm. during the first reveal? Then it then it goes to a weird Nazi cat or some sort of cat that's hanging out, and then BJ wakes up from his coma, and then uh, very violent game, obviously, um, but it looks like this will be interesting. Um, I think so. I, I especially think so, uh, given the the current political climate. Apparently, there was a lot of people uh, bitching about. Um, Killing Nazis? Killing Nazis. But, uh, but they that's... have to be trolling because no one can complain about killing Nazis. You apparently don't spend a lot of time on the internet. I do, but I just ignore <laughs> people I think are just unreasonable assholes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, Bethesda was taking great delight in it. There was a, they had a screen cap talking about it and how um, in this game you will be able to kill, make every Nazi kill your own Nazi kill. Make sure every Nazi kill is done in the way you would want to kill a Nazi. That's pretty pretty good. Just, I think it's um, 
I think it's going to be good. I think the story, the, the the trailer, the story they kind of talk about looks interesting. Um, he's got uh, a girlfriend or a wife and kids. Oh yeah, so he has a, he's he's got pregnant pregnant girlfriend. It looks like on the way twins. Um, I love the armor look of the the Nazi soldiers. The soldiers. It's like it's, like, it's almost like uh, not chainmail. It's like plate armor. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's like I said, it's just realistic enough, like to push it forward. It's like, ah, they could have this technology perhaps in the six, early 60s. There are also scenes where it appears he is killing Nazis from a wheelchair. Um, I missed that. I oh, if you watch that. gameplay, there there are uh, first person scenes where it looks like he's uh, wheeling around in a wheelchair. That's Nazis. fantastic. So um, I'm very, very interested in playing this game. That's fantastic. And he's just still, you know, we're talking, you know, 15, 16 years after World War II ended. So he's probably like a grizzled 43 year old DJ Black Blackskovitz. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's how you pronounce it, I think. Um, so it's just interesting, like I said, and we this goes back to we brought up on the podcast briefly last time about Far Cry. People complaining about, oh, this is a, a you know an allegory for something. No, we're just fucking killing Nazis. Can I do that now? It, no one said in '93, uh, excuse me, '92 was an allegory for anything besides killing Nazis. You know, there doesn't have to be ulterior motives for every game uh, game theme that comes out or story doesn't the day, have to. the day killing nazis goes out of style is a day that i don't want to see can we just unite around this game <laughs> please if there's one game we can unite about is there anyone out there that was on the side living in the u.s like that was on the side of the, the nazis i don't think there was no i don't think there was there probably was what yes there, there's always i'm sure there was a few but i mean in general in general in general so we're gonna look forward to that and this comes out is this not until next year oh it's gonna be october 27th is going to be the release date. Oh, excellent. That's going to be a very busy day, day which we'll get into why yeah. later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be a very busy day. Ian, let's talk about... The return of toys and video games. Yes. Um, so Ubisoft has announced uh, uh, Starlink, Battle for Atlas. And... Uh, well, this is coming out on all consoles, I believe. Uh, they, they really focused on the uh, Switch version. Um, Which was curious, but I love that, that they focused on it. Yeah. Um, I just think they wanted to show their support for the Switch, and I think um, oh. just the way the Switch controller is designed. And toys. <laughs> and toys. <laughs> um, but there's a neat way for them to you know hook it up onto the Switch controller. But Starlink uh, looks like um, the type of game that I would be interested in uh, based on the fact that it's spaceship dogfighting um and i love that sort of stuff uh and um it has a nice look to it um that just the the way the starships and the graphics look uh, i i enjoy what i saw um what's more interesting uh, for some people but i think what may turn me off at least from the switch version is starlink has a modular build your own battleship sort of toy system uh, for at least the Switch version. Now, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's been announced for um, the Xbox One or PS4 versions. I would assume that it would be because that would uh, that would be it would be well, silly for them to lose out on money. Well, do the other consoles have an NFC reader on them to be able to pull it off? Well, they could do it the same way they did it with Skylanders or anything else. Just uh, put an attachment sell it on with a dock. Okay, you know, just drop versus it. just being it built in. Built in. Which makes it a little bit easier, probably less cumbersome. It makes it look neat because you got your little starship flying around on your controller. Yeah, so basically how it works is it looks like you're in a, you can probably, hopefully, optionally buy pieces 
for you know your ship and then attachments and as soon as you snap in the attachment it, it'll change like the weapons on your ship and the loadout which that sounds cool if it's in real time but now I'm picturing myself like looking around my, my sofa and getting toys and snapping them on my console uh, onto my controller well it is a console if it's a switch if, yeah how would you play it in handheld mode well that's the thing it has to be optional then because if it's in handheld mode, how the fuck are you going to pull that off on the plane? You know, you'd be packing 15 toys in your bag to play this to play Starlink Battle for Atlas? You can just tap it on the joystick, probably. And well, you're going to put it. Your, your, the person next to you who's eating their food would be like, what are you throwing toys on me in the middle of battle? It has to be optional. It has to be It has to be optional, Ian, to, for this. Otherwise, there's no way I'm, I'm going to be able to get this and play this and enjoy this. Well, maybe not. And maybe that... <laughs> Well, maybe fuck you, Pat. And maybe that's the game's folly. I mean, they made portable Skylanders games for the 3DS, and as far as I know, they sold like shit, probably because you had to have toys with you when you were trying to play portable portable games. Okay, gimmicks aside, that might cost me $100 in extras to buy. I think this looks fantastic. It does. And yes, and the joke is that people are calling it No Man's Skylanders, which just aesthetically, it looks like No Man's Sky. Yeah, it does. But this is a game I will play instead of No Man's Sky because I actually wouldn't mind a story and I wouldn't mind actual dogfighting to occur regularly. Well, it looks like it occurs all the time, so that's pretty nice. Yes. My, my, just from the trailer, though, I had to see more gameplay, but from the trailer, though, it looks like most of the dogfighting is on planets, which I, I don't mind, but they do show it in space. I prefer most of it in space, but having even a combination is great Yeah, to, to do that. Now, I guess we'll see what happens. Fall of 2018. So this is really a reveal trailer. And this is like, we were just getting into this shit. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that they're focusing... Well, Ubisoft always had nice support for Nintendo. Uh, they never totally kicked them in the junk like uh, you know EA has done in the past. And now Capcom, which we'll get into uh, to an extent. But um, so it looks like you have... Let's see. Travel seamlessly through the exotic alien worlds of the Atlas star system. Each one of its planets has its own identity, ecosystem, and wildlife. Be careful as space is a hostile environment. Yeah, we know that. All right. The world <laughs> evolves depending on your actions and your choices. Everything that you do has an impact on your journey. So this goes back to the argument between total open world, no story, it's just a clusterfuck, no man's sky, which, yes, you can enjoy it, but not having any structure could damage it, versus this semi-open there's some structure to it, but you still have some choice in what you do, you know, sort of a privateer sort right. of game, which is what I always prefer, or something like Star Citizen. This is this is a, a simple Star Citizen game, a very simple Star Citizen, but this will actually come out probably before Star Citizen <laughs> yeah. comes out fully. So there you have it. So I, I think it's something to look out for. Again, if I am able to play and enjoy the game the same way without buying trinkets and toys and without charging me the same way, to get you know the upgrades to my ship, I'll I'll be on board for Starlink, Battle, for Atlas, Ian, Nintendo had a big E3 showing. You could say they won E3, which I won't say because I hate saying anyone won a trade show event. Yeah, but you could say they had a good showing at E3. They did. Um, for the first time in years, they, <laughs> okay, they, they probably had a, a pretty good showing. Um. I'll go through some of the the, the smaller stuff um, real quick before we get maybe into some of the meatier things. Um, Rocket League was confirmed for the Switch. That's that's pretty damn big. That is uh, good get. Now good get. It, it's an older game, um, and it's on you know other platforms. But um, <clears throat> Rocket League for Switch, I believe, was confirmed for cross server play. Yes, which is huge. Um, for for PC, I think they said Xbox, and then. 
Sony, they said. No, Sony actually... Um, they come on board? We didn't really get into Sony much, because really Sony was... Uh, Sony wasn't really baffling like Microsoft was, but it was just completely unexciting and, and boring. And then they also, like, they killed the idea of cross-platform play oh. at their conference. Sony was like, For nope. all games? They're just like, we're not doing it. We're t- they're taking their ball and going home? Yeah, they're being a bunch of fucking shit bags. So, they showed um, off a Spider-Man game that's exclusive. Or it, timed exclusive, whatever the fuck they call it nowadays. Yeah. Console timed exclusive. So, but at least uh, you'll be able to play with your PC friends or your Xbox friends. Um, it's cool that Nintendo's doing that. Um, but it's portable. Yes, but it's portable, which is huge. It, and it should give you the exact same gameplay experience. And it's obviously a game that's not going away. Anytime I turn on Steam or um, the PS4, I still see a lot of my friends playing the hell out of Rocket League. So that's a good get. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, we knew that was coming. They showed off more of it. It looks fantastic. <clears throat> that is um, obviously going to be a huge one. Um, but the new Kirby game, a new co-op Kirby game... Um, Looked adorable. Yes. Uh, all back, Kirby back games a, look adorable. You know, a platformer, right? Yes. And uh, it will probably play similarly, I'm assuming, uh, in the same vein as uh, um, Kirby's uh, Epic Yarn. Okay. Which was also uh, co-op available. And speaking of yarn, you got a Yoshi game. There is a Yoshi game. Another uh, uh, another yarn Yoshi game coming out. Uh, with how much I adored Yoshi's Woolly World, um, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Pokken uh, Tournament um, DX or whatever, the Evolved one, um, was announced prior to E3. And people were upset that they announced that the new uh, Ultra Sun and Moon were going to be for the 3DS, but it has been confirmed that they are working on a new core Pokemon entry. RPG, regular RPG. RPG. But they didn't say that during the, during the conference, though, but they said it afterwards, right? They did. I don't know if they said during the conference. I think it was during the conference. Probably not, but they did confirm it. Because people were probably going to storm the booth and kill everyone if they didn't get a proper you know, uh, game on the Switch, proper Pokemon game. Um, they did announce more Zelda DLC. Um, that was interesting because they confirmed like the you know the, the second part of it like what you're going to expect the storyline what has to do with the what are they the four uh, the four um, the hell are they called four heroes the four, boss baddies the boss baddies that are your friends right <laughs> yeah um, four champions champions the champions ballad they're champions and your friends and your pals a couple of the so this is the difference the Nintendo one has so much to run down. Um, some of the bigger things, though, that were announced, and I think the things that surprised people, um, I'll start with um, the Mario and Rabbids game actually looks good. Didn't really check that out too much. That was more part of the, uh, was it part of the Ubisoft presentation? Looks like or XCOM. Something? Oh, really? I didn't even see it. Wow, that's, where XCOM? Yeah. The original XCOM. Looks like XCOM. <laughs> okay. Looks like an XCOM game, basically. So, so, um... I'm I'm pretty interested in trying this and uh it's it I'm I yeah I I think as people do yard work outside apparently <laughs> you keep talking I'm going to close the door yeah okay keep talking. what the is that Frank could be Frank could be Frank <laughs> no, honestly, could be. if it's Frank doing yard work so I I do think um the Mario and Rabbids game um has has turned a corner where it looks Actually, interesting to me, um, whereas I just kind of, you know, laughed it off uh, initially. Um, and it was it was touching. Holy shit. 
it was touching um, to see the guy, you know, who's kind of helming the project, sitting in the front row, uh, listening to Miyamoto talk about it, and, uh, you know, thanking him for his work on it, because, um, you know, that's got to be a big deal. And I, I think we we could be looking at a game that, that's actually fairly decent. So I, I have hopes for that. And then, obviously, one of the... wasn't uh, Frank, it was one of his workers. Go on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Literally. And then, I think... Um, and, and we'll get into a little bit more of this later, but I think one of the biggest things is uh, not only were was one Metroid game announced, but, but two. Let's talk about the first... Let's talk about Metroid Prime 4 getting announced. Okay. Um, so, Metroid Prime 4 was announced. That's huge. Um, people have wanted new Metroid games for a long time and they've just been getting well other M was mixed right people were like eh. well it was mixed eh. but regardless of being mixed that was the last probably last one 2009 or 10 probably 2009 I don't know but it was on the Wii so I mean and, and Metroid Prime 3 came out in 2007 so it's been 10 years between a proper quote unquote Metroid Prime game um 10 years and, and Metroid's not obviously on the stature of Legend of Zelda but you could say that it's more popular than like a Star Fox. Like people get behind yes. Metroid games. It, it. I've always considered it very much part of the core of, of Nintendo. The core properties, of course. Yeah. Um. So Metroid Prime Four is announced, and Retro Studios is not doing it this time. It's being handled internally at Nintendo, uh, which makes me very interested in seeing what they're going to come up with. Mm-hmm. Um. Just because. Retro handled the first three, and uh, they really seem to have that first-person Metroid sort of um, gameplay locked down. So it'll sure. be interesting to see what Nintendo does when given a franchise that's been, at least thus far, um, a typically first-person shooter-based, uh, what they'll do with it. Because that's not really their wheelhouse. Sure. But we're looking at, since this is not even, this is an announcement teaser, you know, this game might come out for at least two years. We don't know when this is going to come out. Yeah, it's literally a picture that says now in development. Yeah, so this could be the the like the big hit for the medium life of the Switch, you know, like two, two and a half, three years into it, for, uh, for example. But then not announced during the, during the E3 um, Nintendo Direct, they announced a, a surprising title. For the 3DS slash 2DS slash new 3DS slash new 3DS XL slash new 3DS. Did I ever say that? <laughs> slash new 2DS. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All um, the 2DS is the 3DSs. Yes. Uh, Metroid, uh, what, Return of Samus? Or, or Samus, Samus Returns. Returns. They, they, they've swapped it around. A uh, remake of uh, Metroid 2 on the original Game Boy. Um, I think that. Yeah, shocked a lot of people. And why wasn't that part of the... I guess they wanted to keep them just all, you know, Switch games during the original uh, Nintendo Direct. Actually, yeah, I thought that was announced during the Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. Fairly mm-hmm. certain that was. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yes. Yeah, actually, almost was entirely it? certain okay. that was announced during the Nintendo Direct. Okay. Um, and, yeah, because I, that was announced first. Um, huge news. That was the thing that got everyone excited. Um it's interesting that they're continuing to show uh, the 3DS support. I'm actually one of the people who's not upset that they're continuing to show the 3DS oh, no. support. It's a different market still. Um, they different. promised that they would show 
um, the 3DS support through 2017. And uh, Nintendo sticking to their word. I think that's sure. uh, commendable. Um, yeah, you know, people ask, sold so many of these. Why They wouldn't just toss it aside. People are asking, why did, isn't this on Switch? Well, you know, this was probably in development before. Um, I, you know, there, there's there's a lot of reasons why. Let's talk about it real quick. Look at the gameplay. It's cool. You have the map on the bottom screen. On the top, you have the gameplay. That's really, really smart to do. Obviously, sure. you have two screens to work with. Um and this obviously, I think, answers why they went after. I mean, Nintendo probably would have gone after it anyways, but this is. Uh, but this is your first prime example, pardon the pun, for Metroid. Why they have to go after this stuff. Yeah, uh, such as, well, why they have to go after the remakes, such as uh, yes. another Metroid 2 remake. Yes. Uh, and they have to protect their, their, their intellectual property. If this was in the works, or if this was something that they had an idea of that they wanted to do... If this is coming out in September this year, this was in development when they shut that down. Absolutely. Because right. that, was, that, was, that was less than a year ago they shut that down. Right. So they had to. Um, my concerns for the game, uh, one major one, is that it's being done by Mercury Steam, um, who ended up trashing uh the castlevania uh reboot um especially with part uh with the one that was done on uh the 3ds um they did a 2d castlevania tie-in 2d 3d tie-in okay uh, to the um console relaunch of castlevania lords of shadow okay and they also i believe they were the ones who did the part two which was not favorably reviewed and they also did the 3ds game which was fucking trashed i mean panned and they're in charge of this game so that could potentially not bode well and uh you know if it doesn't and it doesn't sell that's only bad for metroid fans so my hope here is that nintendo's not just schlocking something out that's gonna suck to keep them happy it shouldn't be hard to do a good remake of a game that was already pretty damn decent to begin sure with. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it. There's, like, small mini cutscenes in here. There's there's going to be, obviously, 3D. You have the map system there. Yeah, if you're building on a game that's beloved already, you know, in a franchise that it's all laid out for you, just updating graphics, it is kind of hard to screw it up. It's laid out for you. you Should have been hard to screw up Castlevania. Sure. But um, being that there's they had almost an hour of footage shown, yeah, this has been developing for a long time. This isn't something they just thought of after seeing that remake. They're, well, they're like, it comes out. After so, oh, obviously it comes out in September. So. Yeah, so this is just about done. You think you, you think if they're showing that it's fifty minutes, this is probably just about completed, you know, uh, for the most part. So that's surprise. It gives you know that maybe that maybe this is the one last hurrah for the 3ds in terms of Nintendo first party stuff, where it's like, okay, here you go. We love we love ye 3ds. You you, you guys have helped us be, be our most you know successful. This is the most successful handful handle for Nintendo was the 3ds. Yeah. I'm almost positive. Standing uh, on its own, it's its own iteration, comp- including the you know the five subgenre types or subtypes of it. But um, yeah, you know, good good seven uh, seven year run for the 3ds, right? And they'll probably still have some games next year as well. Yeah. They'll probably close it out. Yeah, probably some JRPGs that'll trickle down. So it'll be the JRPG handheld. Uh, we'll, we'll look back finally in 20 years. We'll do our hidden gems of, of the, the 3DS slash new 3DS slash 2DS slash new 3DS XL and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ian, we've spoken about Nintendo at E3, but have not spoken about why Nintendo won E3. <laughs> oh my God. I hate that. I'm cringing. But the <clears> biggest 
killer app Nintendo has revealed so far for the Switch. Coming out officially October 27th, earlier than what anyone anticipated, Super Mario, Mario, Super Mario Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And the one gameplay mechanic revealed at E3, which none of us really really foresaw coming, was the ability for your demon Cappy hat to have Mario basically inhabit the souls of enemies and other characters in the game. And take and take them over, which is really unique and it's really cool, including dinosaurs. Yes, including a T Rex. <laughs> That's how the the trailer began and ended. It <laughs> and, and just from that mechanic alone, I'm like, wow, I want to buy this. This isn't just like super, uh, you know, this isn't like Mario sixty four part two. They right. added a whole new element we have not seen before. Like, if you want to play as a Goomba and do whatever, you can do that and stack them up. You know, if you want to be a bullet bill Mario and fly around and accomplish, I guess, certain tests, you can do that. You know, there was a cheap, cheap swimming Mario. It's so cute with with the lips and the, and the mustache. I mean, it's adorable. Yeah, it's demonic, but it's adorable. Uh, watching Mario possess uh, another human. Yes, that was weird. weird. <laughs> Need some Watch- exorcism action going on. Watching, watching what is ostensibly a human character. Yes, there's humans in New Donk City. Uh, <laughs> possess a, a a real human. I I that part made me that that hurt me. But a bit. but it's intriguing, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? It is. It it is. is. You also got to figure out why Mario's not a real human, <clears throat> but he's a somewhat of a human. Like that's that's another another story. But interesting that uh, from the gameplay they showed after the, the by the way that trailer was fantastic. That theme song is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, like like sort of like a fifties jazz swing thing going on. Yeah, it's people, great. People were asking Breno Floss to do a Super Mario Odyssey with lyrics, and he's like, "It exists. It's a theme song has lyrics." So, yeah, <laughs> why you, would you have a Mario song with lyrics? That's fantastic, right? Um, but New Donk City, I feel like saying either New York or New Jack City. Whenever I say that. Pauline's the mayor. Yep. Good to see Pauline make a comeback. I mm-hmm. thought she became a stripper on Long Island, according to a certain NES guidebook, but she became mayor of New Donk City. She was actually in a bunch of DS and Game Boy Advance games. They, they, had, they brought her back. In the late 2000s. They brought her back. Um, but she she's the mayor, and I guess Mario's tasked to do certain things to help out there. But that's also, I guess, the jump-off point with your ship to go into different lands. Yep. And travel across uh, the world and get adorable outfits, all with cute little hats. Yeah. And it just looks... Uh, every part of that game is something that I want to play in, and um, the the amount of openness for puzzle solving uh, in that game uh, just looks um, inherently huge. Um, I this is the most open we've seen a, a Mario game. It is. Yet I expect there will still be, you know, tasks and puzzles, some, some structure to it. Sure. Um, and I hope there is because it, it's not going to be GTA. It, 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 yeah, it, it may lose me, unfortunately, to a degree if it if it's too open. But um, I, I I I'm very interested to see what the focus is on puzzle solving in this because with Mario's cap, it, it looks like there's a lot of when you watch the trailer and when you watch gameplay, there's a lot of moments where he's entering a bullet bill and then entering something that's jumping upwards and very quickly doing all of these transitions to get to places or to make things happen. And um, I don't think it's necessarily, I'm sure there's going to be lots of areas that are free running and, you know, fast platforming, but there's also going to be a lot of moments I think where you have to stop and look around and say, 
you know, how the, how the fuck am I going to do this? You have to think a little bit. Yeah. You have to use the powers. Like, for example, it looks like you can, like, slingshot off things with the cap and use it as, a, like, a catapult in some aspects. Um, besides, yes, inhabiting all different characters. Uh, I, I just think it's cute that so far we've seen, like, Sombrero Mario. We've seen the USA Mario. Um, a couple uh, Baker Mario, but they're all references to past Mario's that have existed. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 a, not just amazing, but the fact that they they have that sort of reverence to even do that to like Sombrero Mario is pretty obscure, right? Yes. What is that from? Like Kicks. kicks. Who the fuck remembers that, right? And then uh, uh, USA Mario is from one of your favorite NES games, NES Open Golf. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the Baker Mario from uh, Yoshi's Cookie. Yep. So. Damn, I love that. I just love that. Yeah. I just love that. They didn't have to do that. No. But they did it. They could have had Mario dress up as any other, you know, red, white, and blue character for that part of the, the world. But they didn't. They they had enough thought to go back and say, okay, let's see what other various outfits we had him as before. You know. What other types of ones had they revealed besides besides the wedding Mario in the top hat? <clears throat> have they, have they, uh, just those three they've revealed so far? Uh, I can't remember. But yeah. It's like there's like a shop system. You can buy, buy hats mm-hmm. and buy different little items. You, you can buy a poncho. Um, looks like during in the shop there, um, and I, I'm guessing there's different powers based upon what hat you have. It changes a little bit. How about the 2D ones where you transform into I Super Mario Brothers? That looks really cool. Like when you're wrapping around the tower, but all of a sudden you're just jumping around, but then you transition back out into 3D Mario instantly. That's pretty cool. I also think it's important to note um, how how organic all the landscapes kind of look in um, in Super Mario Odyssey. Um, Things, how do I how do I say it? Um, the game doesn't look as building blocky. The city looks like a city. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't look it doesn't look like they just put assets everywhere and stacked it up. <sighs> yeah, I guess that's kind of hard to explain that until you see it, right? Until you get right. Into it. But when you look at it, it doesn't look like a traditional Mario game. It 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 looks like you're doing platforming in a more organic city environment. Um, in the other areas as well, I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's harder for me to put it into words exactly what I'm trying to say, but the game has a more realistic it looks lived look in? to its structure okay. and it looks lived in. Um, but it doesn't, it's not like it does away with all the eye candy or anything. There's recognizable Mario things. It looks pretty. It's not like it's realistic, but I, I feel like the structure of the game looks also more realistic at points. I just like the fact that also you, you'll be dispatching enemies in a variety of ways with the hat. Yeah. So it's not just jump on enemies or, or throw a bomb at them, you know, like. They'll, they'll probably come up with inventive ways to, like, slingshot things at him or to, to ricochet things back at the enemies or just hit him directly with the hat. I like that. And then you'll probably still be able to jump on enemies, too, I'm guessing. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, of course, but I do like the fact that they're adding that into the repertoire. Um, what about the you – like, you like the uh, the Amiibos, which people are calling wedding toppers? Like, all the nerds are going to buy the, the, the Bowser, oh, yeah. uh, Peach, and, and Mario wedding outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Vani and I had uh, Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask wedding toppers, and uh, had those been out, I mean, who knows? We may have we may have used those. We may have since screwed. We might have yeah. a second wedding because of that. <laughs> what do you think about the T-Rex part? What do you think that's going to be like in that sort of, you know, obviously, prehistoric uh, age, uh, Jurassic Mario, you think he'd be fight, fighting other dinosaurs, or I have no idea. But the fact that that's there, you're like, what the like? What is this? This is a Mario game. It's one of those things that I, I, I almost wish they hadn't shown us because, I, what, I mean, the wow moment when you approach the dinosaur, had you not seen that and go, can I? 
Oh, I can. <laughs> you can throw your hat at anything <laughs> yeah. and inhabit their soul for a time, right? But, yeah, I mean, seeing that was cool. I have no idea what else they'll they'll show. I will probably go on um, mostly a uh, Mario Odyssey blackout after this and just wait until the game. Are you going to treat it like a movie? Yeah. You don't want to be spoiled too much? they got to show a T-Rex. Because if you can inhabit a T-Rex and, and just clomp around as a T-Rex, come on. That's every kid's no, dream. No, yeah. I, I mean, obviously. What game has done that where you can just become a T-Rex if you want and just go around and come back out become a Goomba uh, Jurassic Park War, uh, Warpath for the PlayStation okay War. but uh, <laughs> an awful <laughs> Jurassic Park fighting game I always thought it was where the half those Jurassic Park games you could just be a dinosaur killing people like I was like oh it's more fun just to do that when right you, you know uh, let's try to see some other highlights yeah you can go inside robots you can go inside uh, which I think is interesting the, the, the cheap cheap's the cutest thing ever yes. um, going inside the electrical line in order to like go to other buildings and, and mm-hmm. through the hat it's it's unique. Uh, he's dancing with a guitar. There he is in his in his cute little wedding outfit, and Princess Peach having uh, piranha plants. That uh, actually is my favorite thing. I saw that and I lost it. I want a bouquet it, of. Is that da- is that plants. dangerous? Can that be dangerous to <laughs> yes. lose a finger? Yes. What do you think you could do by stacking Goombas up? That's kind of weird. It's like your c- communal Goomba. Well, they always uh, they walk around stacked all the time, so maybe they weren't stacked to begin with. Were there any Koopa Troopas in this? Yes. Was it? There was some turtles? Yeah, it shows him It shows him as a Koopa Troopa, actually, which is really cute. Okay, I'm looking at the gameplay. Maybe it was just in the trailer then. Yeah, it was in the trailer. I, I, I won't be able to wrap my head around uh, what the people will be doing there. I'm guessing there's going to be, like, jokey stuff going on, or they have you do certain quests, or, you know what I mean? It'd be almost like, like again, like, like a GTA game where you do little mini quests, or a Spider-Man game where, you know, you have to rescue someone, like, maybe. I don't know. I, I just think it's there's enough interest here that I'm definitely intrigued. Now the question is, how many millions of these are they going to sell over the holiday? I have no idea. This is too many. I, I tweeted this will sell. I tweeted this will sell not just copies, ten million additional Switch consoles by itself over the holiday. I don't think that's that's even insane. That could be even lowballing it worldwide for how many they can sell. You think the public finding out again? Yes, they advertise like uh, new Mario. 3D, you know, like on the Wii and the Wii U ones, they didn't really they'll get those out into the public spotlight right. enough for the public to be like, oh my god, I haven't played a Mario game since Super Nintendo or 64. Here's a new one. When they do that with this game, on a now pop, what's going to be popular? Yes, it's too early to tell, but it seems like the Switch is going to be a success from the early going. They're going to sell all the Switch consoles that come out over yeah. the holiday, and it comes out just early enough in October that if they wanted to, you could have your Switch. Mario Odyssey editions for Christmas. Yeah. Pre-packaged on, you know, you know pre-installed. Um, so they can discount it to 350 save like whatever, 10 bucks, and they'll sell a, a, a ton of those. Yeah, and they want to put a cute little hat on top of the Switch console. You know what I mean? They'll do some fucking gimmick. I don't know, a Cappy Switch. <laughs> a Cappy Switch. What a cute name. Um, I, I'm fanboying too much over this Super Mario game, but honestly, I haven't been this excited about a Mario game since I can remember. I just don't like all the one-offs. I never really got to me like this, where it's like, okay, this is gonna be something really unique. Like Super Mario Sunshine here is great. I, I thought, never, I thought I, Galaxy was fantastic. Sure, I just never, I never bought into the concept as much as this. No, Does that this, make sense? This, this looks, this looks really good. Maybe, maybe the Galaxy concept was too far out for me. <laughs> Literally, I did play a little bit, never got into it totally. Like an Odyssey. I don't know. <laughs> In we like Loot Crate. Yes. You like this shirt? I do. It's too late. It was Loot Crate's shirt last month. Damn it. 
But if you want to get the June Loot Crate, there's still time. You have until June 19th to get the Alter Ego Loot Crate. And that includes Spider-Man, Transformers, The Hulk, and DC Comics, including characters like Harley Quinn, maybe Batman. And then you also have maybe minor characters like Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Probably not, though, but I like those characters. So go to LootCrate.com slash Pat, enter code Pat to save 10% on any new subscription. Again, you have until the 19th of June for the Loot Crate Alter Ego. After that, you have to wait till July. I don't know what it's going to be in July. I don't know yet. You don't know yet. I what what no do you think clue. it's going to be? Summer barbecue theme? That would be good. Comes with, like, tongs and some sauce and... <laughs> A nice, <laughs> nice hat and a kiss the cook, kiss the cook apron. I've never actually seen a kiss the cook apron in, in real life. Neither have I. I remember the married shoulder one was kiss the cook, kill the wife one, which I thought was hysterical as a kid. But anyway, so Al Bundy would wear that. Anyway, go to lootcrate.com slash Pat. Enter code Pat and save 10%. Be the envy of your friends and get your 100% exclusive crates at lootcrate.com slash Pat. Go and do it. Go and do it now. Bah. Ian. Pat. You like Monster Hunter. I do like We Monster just spoke Hunter. about Monster Hunter XX Double Cross, uh, which is apropos for this segment. Yes. We were talking about the, their one uh, being an exclusive Switch console coming out in Japan. But Capcom had another announcement about Monster Hunter Double Cross. That it was not going to be coming out in the U.S. Um, yeah. Ouch. Hurts. Um, so, Monster Hunter World will be coming out for the PlayStation 4. Sorry. Audio. We'll be coming out. <laughs> Didn't happen last podcast. <laughs> Good one. Um, <laughs> Monster Hunter World will be coming out. Where are you? Monster Hunter World will be coming out for the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, which is great. And, um, you know, a return to console uh, in the U.S. It's been a while. Uh, I think the last one was Monster Hunter uh, 3 Ultimate for the Wii U. Um, it'll be good to have uh, a Monster Hunter on consoles again. And that reopens it up to fans on the PlayStation uh, and fans on the um, uh, Xbox, who I, I don't think really yet have had any experience with it. So that's great. But I think what really brought Monster Hunter back to prominence in the U.S. was it always had its, its, its niche following. Um, and it did have a couple release. It did have a few releases on the PSP, um, and it did have um, one release, I believe, on the PS2. But what really caused it to pick up steam here was uh, the, I believe, the the Wii, the original Wii release of Try, Monster Hunter Try, Three Try, um, and all the portable versions. Uh, a lot of people see Monster Hunter as a portable game. It did not start that way. It started on the PS2 as sort of a uh, like a Fantasy Star Online ripoff, but um, it's always been viewed as a portable game. In Japan, all the PSP versions, the portable versions, that's why it's got a Switch version. They brought them all out over here on the, the, the 3DS. They did well. The last one we got was Generations, which I believe was the original Cross. And now they've got it on the Switch, Everyone's excited about it. It would be a perfect console for it because you could have it on your TV. You could have it on the go. It would be extremely great to have this over here for the Switch, especially for the fan base that really cheerled the game over here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and we're not getting it. So that seems to me very odd that the Nintendo fan base that kind of built it up over here is 
the fan base that is now getting screwed out of an installment in the series. Double-crossed. But they're bringing it out for... They're bringing out a different entry in the series for two other consoles. I'm happy anyway that I'm going to get to play a Monster Hunter game. It's just weird to me that the one that they're emitting is the one that already has, ostensibly, a built-in fan base. That's sure. waiting and, for it. And localizing a game isn't like they have to make a whole new game. Right. So what's going on? I, I have no idea. Why does Capcom not hate Nintendo? <laughs> well, and it does seem like they do. It seems like they're taking shots here and there, right? No Mega Man collection on the Switch, which makes no sense at all. Right. You know, like, what's, like... Th- That's odd. That's really odd. Um, so, yeah. Uh, now, now they there was an announcement yesterday because uh, Capcom... I can't remember which Capcom account it was. It might have been the main one. I've got a screenshot of it on my phone that maybe I should just pull up real quick. Why? Well, Ian does that. They... they um... The Switch version is going to support online cross-platform play with the 3DS game. Players can also transfer their save data over from the 3DS release to the Switch. Ah, so the official Monster Hunter account yesterday tweeted, Just to clarify, in response to GameSpot's tweet, Capcom confirms they're not bringing Switch version of Monster Hunter Double Cross to the U.S. And then Monster Hunter's uh, Twitter account screen cap that and said, just to clarify, our official response is we have not announced any plans to localize Monster Hunter Double Cross at this time. Which I think is them trying to stem what they did not see being people a, are pissed off. a very... I mean, they that, that got quite some backlash. They don't see their... They have their sales figures in, the, in North America. They know what they've sold. Yes. They didn't expect that to happen. Have, there, have the other games have come out? Has there been a large gap between the localization, or are they usually? Uh, there, there. I believe there was a pretty big gap between generation. Okay. I don't. I, I, yeah, I mean, there is generally a larger gap, but as the series, I don't know how well generations sold. Okay. I will say that four ultimate and three seem to always be constantly in demand at the store. So people are constantly just like, yes. you have it in, you have it in. Yes. Monster Hunter X, let's see what that sold. Gener- uh, yeah, I think that would be generated. It sold, yeah, that didn't sell well in the U.S. Okay. Uh, compared. So it sold 2.8 million in Japan, which is 81% of the sales. And then in North America, 0.32 million, which is 9%, Europe 7.4. So what was the one? Uh, that was the latest one? That was the latest. The so was- by that, maybe they're thinking, all right, if we, if we sold 81% in Japan... Maybe it's not worth our time. That's that's nothing to sneeze at, though. The other rest of the world was half a million copies. That, to me, seems enough to localize it in terms of cost. Sure. I mean, what, would, what would you think it would take to, to, to localize this? Is there a lot of uh, uh, dialogue that they have to then dub over? Is not a exactly of, a lot of story dialogue, but a lot of, like, item text. A lot of item text, but that's nothing. Yeah. In the, long, in the grand scheme of it, sure. isn't it? Take, a, what, a few weeks to get that in there? Come on. Come on. I don't know. Do it. But but here's the thing. If if it was sales that they were concerned about, then why would they be bringing Monster Hunter World over for PS4 and Xbox One? Touche. If 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 they just didn't think the the property was viable, then they wouldn't be bringing over the console version. So maybe this will come over later, but they don't. Maybe they're hedging their bets. All right. So let's see. It looks like. Monster Monster Hunter X came out November fifteenth. Excuse me, November twentieth, two thousand fifteen. It didn't come. Then Monster Hunter Generations came out July fifteenth, two thousand sixteen. 
So, and that was the same, the same, uh, let's see, release history. And that was the last one, Generations. Yeah. And that was the same as Hunter X? Or the next, that was the last one. Generations, I believe, is X. Double Cross is the newest entry, and we never got it. Okay. So there was a gap, though, of eight months in between release. So maybe they'll announce it when they get closer? Possibly. Possibly. All right. All right. I, I don't, I mean, I, I hear great things about the series. I'm not too familiar with it. Um, but to me, it would make not make even even half a million. It would seem it would make sense to bring it over, and th- and then plus, you know, we're talking about the switch where if they market it right, maybe they would do more than that in North America. Well, especially right now, I think now's a sweet spot for any company to take a chance on a game because over Nintendo here. might push it more. Well, because Nintendo might push it more, and while there aren't a billion titles out there, the opportunity is ripe to get new players. Sure. Let's talk about some retro news. That sort of came out of E3. When I went to E3 in the past for retro news, it was you know you know you had your your, your new old style consoles, your handheld held Super Nintendos, uh, things of that nature, mostly Hyperkin and retro bit stuff. You know you had like your your new your new Super you know new N sixty four controllers that were made that were coming out wireless stuff things like that. But here we have the the Retron seventy seven Ian. Yes, indeed. And this is a curious one to me. It's by Hyperkin. It is a uh, seems to be an emulation based Atari twenty six hundred slash VCS, which is the same thing, depending how you do it. has has a mock sort of twenty six hundred wood grain and uh, paneling, which is really cute, angled on the side. It has an Atari twenty six hundred style switch for it looks like for on off, and yep. then there's two other tab buttons for switches. Now, off the top of my head, on the original, you know, six switcher, you had what? Power, reset, game A, B, difficulty, black, black white, white color. What was the sixth one? I forget. But they went down to four. And how many do you really need, though, on an Atari 2600? You really need A and B and difficulty, yeah. right? The, the rest you can reset through emulation, you know, things like that. And you don't need color black and white anymore. That could even be set up in, in emulation. Sure. So from the, start, from the looks of it, though, there's only three out of the six original switches that are on here. Uh, you have your standard Atari 2600 ports. That's Like I said, that's been standard on Retron 5 and other systems. That's cheap to do. And we have to see, I guess, the GUI interface. But there is going to be save states, and there is going to be the option for uh, 16-9 re- uh, uh, aspect ratio or the normal 4-3. I cannot imagine wanting Why to play... Why would you want to play an Atari game? In, I mean, any game. But it, it pisses it, me it, off when I see an NES game in 16-9. I don't know why you want to stretch out playing Pong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Enduro Racer, or any other other your ten dollar random Atari Kart games. Yeah, uh, I, I love you, Atari Age, but you're a little bit off on how much demand these these common as dirt Atari games are. Anyway, um, so what's interesting though is the fact that it's coming out at all. I think is interesting, but the price point is is eighty dollars on this. So, what what's your reaction when you f- first see this news of something like this being announced? Is it a surprise you being that you have all the HD? Uh, by the way, I think it's going to be in 720p. I believe the output. Um, but what's your reaction when you see something like this announced? Um, I mean, I actually think it's it's kind of cool uh, to a degree. Um, people want easy ways. People at this point, no matter what you tell them or how they try to hook things up to the TV, people are getting more and more frustrated with trying to hook up old systems to new TVs, even though there are ways to do it. They really just want to be able to plug something in and go. Um, so 
the fact that these that Hyperkin's got these coming out, the fact that these mods exist, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I, I don't think there's um, anything wrong with it. I think it's pretty cool. The Atari has shown some resurgence of interest. Um, I, I've said that for the past couple of years on the podcast. And I think that this does have a place in the market. I find the $80 price point very weird. And um, it's a little high, especially since the 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 um, the HD uh, Retron NES one is forty. Right, and I think He's calling me, Jesus. If that's Frank, I'm gonna. Okay, go on. <laughs> okay, so I um, the price point I think is odd, but I think that probably has to do with what the hardware contains. Um, the the um, NES HD that Retron put out. Um, doesn't have the save states and things like that. It's it's using, um, it's not using emulation, so uh, they were probably able to do it for cheaper. Uh, this is using save states and and other such things, which means there's got to be some sort of emulation in there, which is probably uh, a, a reason why the the cost has has risen. Um, Frank, Frank's here. Go on. Okay. Uh, which is probably why the cost has 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 gone up on um, on this by double though I I think it's strange and I think people are going to in in a store look at these two things by the same company in the same box and go why is the Nintendo one forty dollars and why is the Atari one eighty it could be scale they could be trying to recoup their costs because they realize that the the market for an HD Atari one hundred is so much lower sure. than an NES ten percent of the people. You know, like, if you wanted to go out of your way to mod an Atari 2600 or 7800, which we'll get into that, if there's going to be 7800 compatibility, you would have done so in the past 10 years. You would have done that. You know, like, if you really wanted to get it done, you could have got it done. Right. Then. So, this is going to spur the imagination of people like me, who never would get an Atari 2600 modded, ever, you know, because I don't like it enough. But now, wait a minute. I do like Atari 2600 enough to want to still play it, though, every yes. once in a while. But then I said again, 80 versus 40. Frank, come here, Frank. Say hi real oh, quick. Hi. Frank, Frank making a surprise appearance on the podcast. Just put your head in front of the, that camera right there without hitting it down. There you go. Everything. <laughs> hi. Hey, Frank. Hi. Ferguson. Frank, <laughs> Frank we're talking about uh, uh, an Atari 2600 for the modern world. I don't know. You don't know? The old school stuff myself. That is old school. Oh, okay. There it is. See All how right. much I know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the mic's picking you up, Frank, but... Uh, oh, okay. Do you want to sit down or no? No, I'm... We're, I'm You're working? I got other, other stuff to do. Other stuff to do? Yeah. I'm busy. All right, Frank. Have thanks, fun, kids. Thanks for Bye-bye. stopping by. Thanks for using my bathroom without asking. Now, bye, Frank. I <laughs> 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 love Frank. Anyway, I'll talk to you later, Frank. Um... So that's going to be, I think, uh, something that's going to keep some people from buying it is going to be the price point. That's the first, first ever Frank Randley appear in the podcast. But um, it's not confirmed with 7800 compatibility. You might as well throw it in. If it's emulation-based, do it. Just fucking do it so people like me don't complain about it. It's the same cartridge slot. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to do 5200. I know you'd love it, but no one would want that. But <laughs> you would love it. I do. <laughs> if, 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 if 10% of the retro gamers want this, 0.5% would want the 5200 version. My friend Lincoln and I were sitting around the other night <clears throat> having some scotch, and I just said, 
You blew holes for the Mikey. I said, what did you think it would cost to get a complete set of 5,200 games? And he goes, about $1,250. And I said, I'll keep that in mind someday if I ever need to yeah. go for a full set. Well, complete your Emerson Arcadia 2001 set first that you said you are going to do. <laughs> yeah. All 20 games all or so. Games. Um, but the thing about the 5200 is that the controllers, it's not exactly the same as, you know, plugging in an Atari 2600 controller or a Genesis controller. No. Or, well, this is how also, the US... it's a completely different cartridge slot. Uh, yes. But 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 the, U, uh, the USB, though, this has a USB compatibility, too. You can more easily emulate a 2600 controller versus an analog 5200 controller. It's a little bit mm, the finest controller. The finest controller made. with with with, with non non centering analog option, which of course you use all the time in games. Like what, <laughs> like what fucking games would you need that for? The true way to play Pac Man. <laughs> the true way. You're not sure which way you're going anymore. That that's how a, a real person. Plays <laughs> you want to center it yourself every three seconds that you're playing. Absolutely. So, you know, is this something you're going to buy? I, I would think about this at eighty. I want one, but I don't know that I want it at eighty. I, I think a sweet spot. If they kept it at forty bucks, like the Nintendo one, I think they would even fifty. Because while you were gone, what I was talking about is obviously there's probably an increase in price here because they're they're using some sort of there's more to it than the NES. Sure. I mean that NES hardware has been. I mean, it's it's done. They've they've made cartridge slots. There's a billion yeah, of them. Yeah, they it's made just done. This is, this is a bit more new. And it's what? using some of that emulation technology. But if they could have gotten it down to 50 or even 60, I maybe would have said, okay. This is the way I'm looking at it. Aren't some of those old flashbacks have a cartridge slot in them? Uh, you know, I, know it's not, I know it's not HD, but I thought some of those flashbacks had it. The flashback 2 had solder points for a cartridge slot. Oh, just solder points. Yeah. Okay. Most people, though, would be fine with just getting a flashback, though. Like, if you wanted to scratch that itch once or twice. You know, to do it depends on what you want. Different, to play. different market, though. I understand that, but you have the flashbacks, and they retail for for what forty or fifty bucks or cheaper. You probably get them, and those have games built in. So I think it's again, it's a promising price point. Ian brought up. I think fifty would have been safe, but um, we'll see what happens. We also have that weird Atari box thing. We're not sure what that's going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be something similar. What else can it be? There's just like a trailer, CG render trailer, which we have good history with with other River West Brands. <laughs> no, we're not there yet. <laughs> We're not going to get there because I'm we're not, fading. We're not going back there. Um, so, so we'll look out for this. Uh, there's been an Earthbound NES prototype discovered at a yard sale in Portland by uh, comedian Jacob Christopher. Um, brought, to, brought to you by our pal, the immortal John Hancock. One of the nicest guys ever. Super collector, John Hancock. Found at a yard sale. There's some provenance. The woman who owned uh, the house so that used to be a, a buyer for Nintendo. So we know it. It's it's legit. It's for real. Um, it looks like it was like in a, a Legend of Zelda gold cart, and John surmised that it looks like it was laser cut the, the the front of the shell for the prototype. Usually, you know, it's like it was done uh, sloppily. Right. This looks like it was done a little bit more precise in terms of the cuts, like circular cuts uh, on the edge of it, uh, just to you know, we, we you know, because I got to put the big board in it. It's in a five screw. Uh, looks like Zelda Zelda two cart cartridge. So there's been other. Earthbound or Mother Zero, if you want to call it, NES uh, games discovered. Our pal Rue uh, owns one of the handful of prototypes out there. What's interesting though is that this is doesn't look like the other prototypes, at least the ones I've seen, where it has you know a full cartridge and it has a sticker on it. This is still even before that; it's just a cutout 
slapped it in there. This could be like the earliest prototype. Right. I guess we don't know what the differences are yet. What's amazing, though, is that this shit's still being found. This is just a few weeks ago. This is found this at is a fucking insane. yard sale. That's insane to me. Absolutely insane. Um, and the fact that this this will go for, if not four figures, five figures. It's just where is it going to end up? Earthbound collectors are nuts. They're insane. So This is true. <laughs> based, you know, talk to Rue again. So um, the Northwest is, is just a hub for this stuff. This is where all the big Nintendo finds. Obviously, you know, Seattle is, is where Nintendo is based. Uh, but uh, I think uh, for the word early word is is that this will be up for sale at some point. I would sell it probably if I had. I'm not a huge uh, Earthbound guy. Uh, the fact that there are others that already exist, I'm not sure how that affects uh, sort of a market value for something like this. Because then if one comes up, you might have two or three other people saying, hey, I want to put mine up, mine up for sale too. You know, that, that has happened with other games in the past. Uh, the, the biggest ones being Steam events. When Steam events gets found, you put up a complete box when three other copies show up, you know. Uh, or if, if or if a Nintendo World Championship comes up for sale, there might be one or two others that sort of slide, in, slide into eBay, slide into those DMs. Uh, you have any thoughts on this, Ian, or I'm just going to ramble about it? Nope, I have no real thoughts on <clears throat> on prototypes. Uh, no, they don't. They don't interest you at all, unless there's something that's very different about it. It just it would have to. I mean, I, I think it's very cool that it's found. What What's more interesting about it to me is, is is what you've stated. It's just the fact that here we are sitting here, and things like this are still being found now. Um, you know, and it goes back to uh, you know something that we've said a lot of times, just about collecting in general. Um, there's no guarantee that what you have is the the only one you have. Um, so a one, don't bank on things, you know, always being worth what they are. But two, it, it's also it's a very optimistic feeling to know that these sorts of things are still being found. And and when I hear stories like this, it it it, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. It, it gives you that hope as a collector or someone looking for something that you can still find this shit out sure. there. Sure, I would say yard sales slash garages are the best. Yeah, because you, you don't know it's going to be there, and even though there's less chance of you finding it, the fact that you finding something that's golden and still being there goes up because there's less people going to a flea market and like sellers walking around at five a.m. Right. For example, like if this showed up, this showed up at a flea market, this would not have been put out before a seller uh, uh, that was there every week would have gotten it. You know, like there's no way a, a guy who's a comedian who maybe likes retro games but isn't, isn't that's on his business would have been able to pick it up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, according to Earthbound Central, there are and this is back when is this posted like 2010 2009. Looks like there's at least five known prototypes before this one, including one it looks like that someone at Nintendo America said uh, one one probably exists inside of Nintendo America. Why wouldn't it? You think they would hold on to one? What's interesting though is that this game was ready to be released. You know, this was this was done. You know, uh, so the fact that it didn't come out, I think, is still strange that Nintendo would just pull the plug on something like this. You know, maybe they, maybe they didn't want it to, to mix in with the hype for a Super Nintendo version, something like that. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? You know, localization issues. Uh, we're still waiting on what uh, Mother Three to, to be localized here. So, and, and they know that they they uh, Reggie makes makes jokes about that. You know, when he goes to conventions, sometimes they know that. You know, people are hungering for this stuff, and yeah. it, won't, it won't cost them that much to put it on, a, you know, a virtual console. Like when, like when Earthbound finally came out on, on a virtual console, and you finally saw the, the the Super Nintendo cartridge prices finally, you know, fall again. So, good on you, good on you for finding this, that Jacob awesome. Christopher. 
and hopefully you know you get some good cash out of this. They did they did go back and speak to the the, the, the person afterwards they bought it from just to make sure. Hey, where are you from? I wonder you know, if she's gonna look at me. Oh, did I just get swindled or something? Or <laughs> maybe. But then again, you know, hey, it's a garage sale. <laughs> maybe she has enough money. Doesn't worry about it. You know, Ian, we have a scumbag. A scumbag. Seller. Oh. Seller. The week in multi parts. Yeah. Follow along here. This is good. This is. Uh, have you looked at this before, Ian? To kind of know what's going on. Yeah, here? I, I, I have a rough idea here. So, <laughs> this this fella, this is seller, Sedona four two seven. Sedona four two seven was trying to sell a a copy of Arrow Fighters for the Super Nintendo. And an Arrow Fighters manual. Which by itself is not bad. No, that's fine. Ian, what makes it bad? Well, it's a reproduction. Oh! You mean it has a reproduction counterfeit label on there, too? Uh, yeah, that, that as well. Okay. And, uh, and, um, and, and the manual. It has a manual. Uh-huh. And the manual is repro as, as, as well. But, but, uh... There appears to be um, false damage applied to, to both. To both. To both the label and the manual. The manual looks like he literally crumbled it into a ball and uncrumbled it. it. I've never seen a manual look like that before. The never creases are too perfect, perfect. Uh, on it. So, but, but when you look at the label of the game... I've never seen damage to a label where it looked like someone literally took their fingernail and picked it away hey. going around the end of the label. Yet, hold on a second, wait. It also looks like there's like a burn mark directly in the center of the label. But like, There is! There's like a cigarette mark right where the cockpit of the plane, or right next to the cockpit of the plane. So, anyways... So the description of this auction, where is the description? I just lost it. Here we go. I got it. Okay. Bought at my local Goodwill. Don't miss out on what looks on, on on. Don't miss out what a deal. Look at pictures. Ask if any questions. Comes with manual. Gameplay is great. Seem seem to be very rare. No returns. That's always good. Do no returns due to how rare this game is. So please judge on the pics that are posted. This is the actual game in manual you will be receiving. Good luck. All right, so so what happens to that auction? It was ended by the seller because the item is no longer available. Because someone probably said to them, what the fuck are you doing? doing? So, we get a second listing. Second listing. Listing number two. The second listing says, SNES Aero Fighters SNES Super Nintendo Video Game Manual Repro Reproduction. Okay? Uh, and then it says, yeah. So, that's the second one. And it says, this is a reproduction a reproduction game, which means Please. it plays and looks great, but has a ROM chip inside. After taking to a local game shop, don't miss out. What a deal. Look at pictures. Ask if any questions. Comes with manual. Game plays great. Please judge on the pics that are posted. This is actual game and manual. You'll be receiving good luck. All right. All games have a ROM chip inside. <laughs> I just don't understand what, what is the... After taking to a local game shop, so, so is he saying that the game shop told them that this was a reproduction? He honestly didn't know? I don't, I don't know. That is strange. So that listing was ended because people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Probably again. I'm still tor- 
just don't get over the fact that that he, he first of all got it out of goodwill. Probably probably didn't happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess my pain probably didn't get it out of goodwill. What what are the odds of a beat up cigarette burned reproduction aerophytals and and manual that was crushed unnaturally ends up at a goodwill and then bought? I don't know. None, I would say. Okay, you're gonna go and say none. I'll say one percent. All right. With the manual is the part that that seems fishy to me because I feel like the manual would get separated. But but that's only the second auction, Ian. Yeah. Then there's the third. There's the third. You want to take away with the third? I'll take it away with the third. Let's All right. pull this up here and yeah, SNES Arrow Fighters SNES Super Nintendo video game manual only rare look. <laughs> rare look. Rare look. Got at a local game shop. Don't miss out. What a deal. Look at pictures. Ask if any questions. Comes with manual only. Please judge on the pics that are posted. This is actual right. game manual. You will... So, Ian, was... I'm going to ask you not to close that because when I click on the link, it was already removed. Yeah, when I when I, uh, click, when I tried to click on the first one again to check the end date, it was removed as well. So, I don't... Okay, no one closed <laughs> these windows. No one closed these windows. Okay. Because I'm on a buy it now where there was one bid on May 31st and it's sold. Don't close your window. Okay. All right? This is like, uh-oh, this is bad. This is happening as we speak. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, the relisted one. Is that cl- gone? Okay. I have the first and second link. You have the third one. Yes. So before, take a snip of that screenshot of the entire thing before we're done with this, and I will not close this down. This is this is this is scumbag summer of the week history where stuff's getting eliminated either by eBay or the the lister right before our eyes. <laughs> by, by the way, they tried to get two hundred dollars by it now originally for the repro aero fighters and uh-huh. and manual that was fucking put my mouth chewed up and spit back out. So I'm guessing this. I'm guessing though. Yeah, this is this is just bad. This is just badness. This is badness all around. Um, so this is what. What is the name of this person before that it's gone? Uh, Sedona four two seven for trying to pass off and saying you got it from multiple places and and probably putting damage of your own on 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 this arrow fighters with your fingernail and then weirdly crushing the manual. Sedona four two seven, you are the scumbag Sully. of Sully. of painfully. We got one more topic on the CU podcast. Do we? We got some voicemails. Oh yeah. So if Ian, how how tell people how they they want to send a send a voicemail message or question us. How do they do that? Uh, you go to the Patreons and you sign up. What's the Patreon URL? Ian? Uh, Patreon.com. I'm sorry, my headache is like killing me right now. Slash CU podcast. Slash CU podcast. And you sign up for the tier there, and you could there's there's, there's a, a phone, phone number. Up. There's a phone number. I'm not gonna give it away because you know it's a Patreon perk. And you'll leave a message for us, and we'll answer your questions on the on the next CU podcast. Please be polite and, and respectful, and please actually be from the Patreon. Ad- identify yourselves. We can double check, or you know, I can just put your number on blast to the whole world. I won't do that unless you know. <laughs> God, you forced my hand, but you know, I'm a nice guy. I wouldn't do that. Would I do that, Ian? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So here's two questions. This is uh, the first uh, message from the Patreon CU podcast line. Hey, guys. This is Rich from Atlanta. I'm a casual gamer. Play mostly with my retro collection aside from a few newer games on Steam. But I'm in the market for a handheld, and I'm debating between a 3DS or a Switch. Do you think it's worth jumping right to the Switch and skipping the entire 3DS library? Appreciate you guys. Thanks. 
I would say that there's still room to get a 3DS and have it as your handheld. I would. It, it, I mean, if you're only going to get one, I, I would honestly say go with the 3DS. Um, especially if you consider yourself more casual. If you play with, you know, just some Steam games and, like you said, your retro collection. Um, but you want a handheld for travel. Uh, I mean, the 3DS is at such an insanely good price point right now. Um yeah, even if you just get a regular 3DS XL, not even get the new 3DS. I I would say the new 3DS features are, are are worthwhile, but like with that new 2DS coming out, or um, you know, the prices on the used new 3DSs, I would say get that and, and reap the past seven years of just fucking excellent titles they've put out for for the uh, for the 3DS, especially because they're only getting cheaper. The Switch is a great system; I love it, but for I think what you would enjoy, you're gonna have to wait a couple of years to go out and get those, you know, bargains on used games and things sure. like that. When when you could really go out right now, get a 3ds and go to garage sales, flea markets, heck, any local game store or GameStop, and buy like ten titles for. You know, sure. and, and be set for a couple of months. I don't think there's any need for hey. everyone or to, to rush out and get a Switch. We're going to advertise for Nintendo right now. Nintendo selling directly on eBay refurbished new Nintendo 3DS XLs in black for only 160 There you go. That's what's what they usually go for, like 200 at least? At this new point Nintendo now? XLs? 3DS XL? Uh, if they were new, it'd be 200 So there you go. 160 That is half the price of, of a Switch. And honestly... The Switch ain't that that portable. It's like, yes, it's portable. Not portable enough that you could like put in your pocket and like go on a train with. It's like it's it's like portable enough for a plane if you can put it in a, a protective case and then put it in a backpack. Not portable enough that you can put it somewhere unprotected. That's the big difference. So it's semi-portable. It's portable with caveats to me. Yeah. So um, to me, I still look at the Switch mainly as a home unit that has portable capabilities. That's how I sort of look at it. That's how it's kind of branded, even, for a good reason. And I'll cheerlead the 3DS forever. So Yeah, and plus the back library of, of the 3DS and D, slash DS mm-hmm. is incredible. Oh, yeah, you get all the DS stuff, yeah. too. It's an incredible. Or, hell, I would just say go for the original DS Lite and play Game Boy Advance games on it. That's what, that's what I would do. You could do that. You can just do that and, and have a ball. Thanks for the question. And here's the second one. Hey, Pat, Ian. This is Chris from Ohio. Uh, I, I met Ian in February. Uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the stuff I sent. Uh, Ian said he enjoyed the beer when I met him. Uh, uh, I saw the, the Pac-Man pop, and I I oh, saw Pac-Man. Ian tweet about the Godzilla I sent the first time last, last summer. Oh. I'm glad you guys enjoyed the stuff, and thank you for all the great programming. Bye. Well, thanks, Chris. Oh, he sent me a Pac-Man pop. That's not the pop. Yeah. No, I do, have the, you, I do have the pop, though, out there. Yeah, yeah thank you, you so much. And you thank met, you, Chris. He got you a beer? Oh, yeah, he sent me two cans of beer. <laughs> two cans of beer? <laughs> yeah, it was in one of the, uh, the packages. I don't know if you're allowed to send alcohol through the mail. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, sure, yeah, sure you can. Wine clubs, you can do that, nah, right? We figure it out. You figure it out? We figure it out. You figure it out? Yeah. So, Ian, where again could you ask us a question at? Uh, the CU Podcast Patreon, which is uh, Patreon slash CU Podcast through the Patreon tier. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. He almost got it. Look, I'm He's I'm, in a lot of I'm pain. I'm out right you now. You toughed it out. I'm done. This, this was our E3 uh, podcast. Uh, Ian will be appearing with, with me at Game On Expo. Uh-huh. That's I gonna, will be. That will be. I, I am excited. 
and that's going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, August 11th, 12th, and 13th. I will I will be at uh, too many games, unfortunately, without Ian. That's going to be uh, the 23rd through 25th of June in Pennsylvania, and then uh, I will be uh, where are we going? Uh, so in July, Austin, uh, Classic Game Fest, July 29th. And 30th, I have a certain NES guide app, a certain NES guide book at ultimatenes.com. Ian's still here, barely. He's chugging off. He's looking at me with your disgust or admiration or both. I don't know how Ian looks at me. Ian, say goodbye to everyone. Bye, everyone. And by the way, the uh, the CU podcast theme will be on iTunes at some point soon with the alternative edition, which I'll probably put in the beginning of this podcast, just the, the early part of it, not the whole thing. Ian disapproves of the alternate version. <laughs> he disapproves of it. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye.